There are many lessons that we can learn from this COVID pandemic. But one thing I think that's become really clear is just how much we need each other. As a result, some people have been going to extreme lengths to continue to meet up with their friends. Many areas in Scotland have a similar kind of lockdown to us. One of the rules are that you cannot travel outside of your council area. And so two friends were so desperate to be together that they met up for a cup of tea at the side of the road, right at the border of the the dividing uh, council. So obviously they were coming from different councils and they met right at the border so they could have their, their cuppa together. Social distancing and, and self-isolation may be the proper response to the threat of this virus, but we don't do well on our own. We need to contact each other. We need their love and their friendship and their support and their encouragement. And that is true in our Christian lives as well. We are not designed to thrive on our own. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul knew that this was true of the young church in Thessalonica. He just encouraged them to be ready for the day of the Lord. One day, Jesus was going to come back again, and he was going to judge the world, and he was going to rescue his people. But he didn't just want them to sit around and wait for that day to come. Instead, he wanted them to live for Christ in the light of that day. And for that to happen, they needed to support one another. So we're going to read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and from verse 12 down to verse 15. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened. Help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So in our passage, Paul addressed three basic relationships in church. The first of these is the relationship between leaders and those they have a responsibility to care for. The New Testament uh, describes uh, the leaders of of a local church in three ways. They are called shepherds or pastors, elders, and overseers, or the word is also translated bishops. And these three names are used interchangeably. So Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Elders, shepherds, and overseers. But Paul, he didn't use any of those these titles when he was writing in this passage. Instead, he focused on the leader's responsibilities. First of all, he 
he talked about those who work hard among you. This work here means toil, to strive, to struggle, to get tired doing hard labour. But Paul here wasn't meaning manual workers who work in a building site or, or work in a field somewhere. Instead, he was talking about those who are leading the church. And that's because Paul knew that spiritual leadership is hard work. This is what he said about his own pastoral ministry in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 29. I labour struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Paul knew that spiritual leadership was hard work. It's not easy. And that implies applies not just to church leaders. It's also true if we are providing spiritual leadership in a Bible study, or we're leading a kids club or a youth club, or we're leading in our family. Or even an individual discipleship. Leadership requires effort and commitment and sacrifice and hard work. But secondly, Peter said that these leaders are over you in the Lord. And of course, that didn't mean that Paul wanted these leaders to to dominate or to dictate their own ideas over the people of this church. That's not what spiritual leadership is about. Jesus made that really clear in Mark's gospel in chapter 10, verse 42 to 43. He said this, Jesus said, you know that those who exercise or who, who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So spiritual leadership is servant leadership. Leaders are called to humbly lay down their lives for the benefit of others. And that's simply because that's the leadership that Jesus provided us with. Jesus did exactly the same. Mark's Gospel goes on to say in verse 45 of chapter 10, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So spiritual leadership is servant leadership, but a crucial part of leaders serving others is to watch over them, to protect them, to guide them, to lead them. So Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says about the leaders, they keep watch over you as men who must give. An account. And then one of the ways that they do this, one of the crucial ways they do this, is through the teaching of the word. Paul said here that they are those, not just who watch over you, not just who work hard among you, but they also admonish you. To admonish, that means to instruct or to teach. To warn against bad behaviour. 
and its consequences. And this was a key part of Paul's ministry. He talks again in in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, we proclaim him, that's we proclaim Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may, may present everyone perfect in Christ. And this is what the leaders were called to do. Their responsibility was to publicly and privately apply God's word so that we would all know how to live. They must be willing to raise those sensitive subjects and to have those difficult conversations and to challenge us about how we are living and encourage us to live in keeping with God's will. But if our leaders are going to be able to do that for us, then we also have a responsibility to allow them to fulfill that role in our lives. This is Paul saying in verse 12, he asked these believers to respect those who are the leaders. Now, this doesn't mean that that this church were supposed to kind of Uh, treat these leaders as somebody special or somebody better than they were. He wasn't talking about putting leaders on a pedestal or bowing down to them in some way or kind of giving them all that praise. Rather, he was asking this church to appreciate and to uh, respect the role that they are taking in the church. So he went on to say in verse 13, Hold them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. So how do we do that? How do we respect our leaders and teachers? Well, I think it's simply by following their lead and listening to their teaching. Again, in in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to the authority. Obey them so that their work is, is a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, of course, following and listening to leaders, they have limits. If those leaders are going against God's will, If those leaders are teaching something that is contradicting God's word, then they should be opposed, not followed. But if not, then we need to allow them to lead us, and to teach us, and to help us, and encourage us. And that is so important because that's how we live in peace with each other, as Paul says in verse 13. Satan's strategy is to divide and conquer the church. His strategy is to tempt us to resist each other and to tear ourselves apart. But God wants his children to live together in harmony as a family. Yes, we're going to have differences of opinion. Yes, we may disagree as we interpret some secondary issues uh, from, from Scripture. 
And yes, we might have different ideas about how we can move forward as a church. That's just natural. That's just normal. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on us, God wants us to live at peace with each other. He asks us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This is what Jesus went to the cross to accomplish. Before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for this church, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. Jesus went to the cross, he became sin for us, so that we could be declared righteous in God's sight. And so we could be welcomed into God's family. And so we could be indwelt by God's Spirit. And so we could become God's people. Reflecting the unity of the Godhead, the unity of the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through our love and our commitment to each other. So we would be one just as God is one. So folks, let's do what we can to maintain that unity. If we have leadership responsibilities, let us work hard, watching over God's people and teaching them God's word. And if we have following responsibilities, then let's respect our leaders and allow them to fulfill that role that God has called them to for us in our lives. So leaders play a vital role in supporting the church. But they are not the only ones. The role of leaders in a church are not to do all the work of supporting that church. Instead, their job is to train and equip the church to do that work. Leaders, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, leaders are called to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And so Paul here in our passage, he also encouraged the brothers and sisters in this young church in Thessalonica to be involved in supporting others. And especially in helping those who were struggling. First of all, verse 14, Paul says, he, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle. Now this is not talking about those who can't work, who are not able to work, or who don't have an opportunity to work. This is challenging those who refuse to work, who are lazy, who just don't want to show up for work, who just don't want to work at all. And that's a problem because that's not how God made us to be. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, we all have different roles. 
These roles may include things like paid employment, caring for a family, involvement in ministry, witnessing in a community, giving to finance mission, partnership and prayer, and maybe a whole load of other things. But the key thing is that God has given all of us who have trusted in Jesus a role to fulfill. We've been created anew in Christ to be part of his body. And we've been empowered and equipped by God's Spirit to serve in God's kingdom. And so we need to warn those who are resisting God's call on their lives. Those who are lazy. Those who don't want to fulfill God's call on their lives. We need to warn them that they are disobeying God. And they're missing out on God's call, God's plan and purpose for their lives. And we should emphasise that. In particular, especially in the light of what we're looking at last week, Jesus coming again. That's because one day Jesus is going to review all of our lives as believers. And our work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. Wouldn't it be a tragedy if we miss what God has called us to? And everything that we put our energy into, everything that we have done, just burns up like wood, hay and straw. And there's nothing left to honour God with when we get to heaven. So Paul, first of all, called us to warn those who are lazy. Don't miss out on God's calling on your life. But then Paul also encouraged this church to encourage the timid. Now the timid are those who are faint-hearted. Those who are easily discouraged. Who easily become despondent. They often feel like retreating and giving up. But Paul didn't want that church to ridicule or condemn those for those people for their fears or because of their worries. There actually were probably good reasons for why they were feeling like that. Remember, this church were suffering really severely because of persecution from their, from their neighbours, from their community. And anyway, Paul knew how this felt. He wrote this letter to the Thessalonians from the city of Corinth. And when Paul arrived in Corinth, he also was struggling. Later on, he wrote to the church in Corinth that I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. In fact, Paul was struggling so much in that city that the Lord appeared to him in a vision just to encourage him. We can read about it in Acts chapter 18, verse 9 to 10. The the Lord said to Paul, do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So Paul knew how this felt. 
And so Paul here was just asking the church, urging the church, to do for others what the Lord did, did for him. To come near those who were timid. To speak lovingly and carefully into their lives. And to encourage them to keep standing for Jesus. No matter what happens. So warn the idol and encourage the timid. But then thirdly Paul said, help the weak. The weak are those who are struggling in their faith. They don't have the strength that they need to resist the temptations of this life. To take their stand for God, to to keep on following Christ. But again, Paul didn't want this church to look down on those weak believers or to belittle them or to humiliate them for their struggles. Instead, he wanted the believers to take the time to help them, to assist them, to strengthen them. That's because this is the attitude of Christ to the weak. Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3 is a prophecy that's related to Jesus in the New Testament. It says that a bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. Jesus is not harsh with the weak. He doesn't come in and, and squash their, their, them because of their, of their difficulty and their struggles. Instead he comes alongside them to help them. And this was the attitude of Christ to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, when we were powerless, powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. In of ourselves, if we're honest today, we will recognize that we are weak. None of us could live for God. None of us could please him. But Christ loved us so much that he laid down his life for us. And so again, Paul was just urging us to love others as Jesus has loved us. And then, just in case anybody was going to be missed out, Paul called these Christians to be patient with everyone. You know, I think it's easy to get frustrated with other Christians. We can get angry that they're so lazy, or faint-hearted, or weak, or sinful. But that attitude is so wrong, because it fails to realise, to recognise the reality that we are just the same. We too are sinners who struggle. Yes, sometimes we are better at hiding it than others. But we all need someone to challenge us because of our laziness. We all need someone to encourage us because of our faint hearts. We all need someone to help us because of our weakness. We all need a saviour. 
And aren't we so thankful that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. And so if we have received the patient, long-suffering love of Christ, how could we be impatient with our brothers or sisters and expect them to live perfectly for God? Surely we should be patient with them as God has been patient with us. So Paul wanted these leaders and these believers to respect their leaders and to support those who were struggling in their church. But finally, Paul also wanted them to be kind to the unkind. He says in verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Retaliation is such a natural desire. From our earliest age, when we're kids, we want to hurt those who've hurt us. It's a way to feel as if we are righting the wrongs, getting even, making us feel better, healing our hearts. But retaliation is never God's desire for our lives. Now, I don't know what Paul particularly was thinking about here in verse 15. Maybe he's thinking about when these Christians might argue and fight with each other and and say or do horrible things to each other. Or maybe he was thinking about when people that they were ministering to, the people they were reaching out to, might just turn away and reject them or oppose them. Or maybe he was even thinking about those in that community who were violently attacking them and persecuting them. But whatever the situation that Paul was thinking about, Paul told these young Christians that it was never okay to take revenge. Why is that? Why is revenge or retaliation wrong for a believer in Jesus? Well, I think part of the the reason is in the light of what we were looking at last week. The day of the Lord is coming. And God is coming to judge this world and to punish the nations. That is his job. It is his role. And that means that role is not ours. And so we should leave justice in God's hands. Not in ours. So Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 17 and 19, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So it's God's job to bring justice when there's been injustice. Not our job. And this is what Jesus did when he was being abused and when he was being mistreated and when he was being attacked by the Jews. Peter says in 1 Peter 2 and 23 when they hurled their insults at him he did not retaliate. When he suffered he made no threats. Instead he entrusted himself to him 
who judges justly. Do we believe that Jesus is coming back one day as the judge that God has appointed over this world? Do we believe that God's justice will ultimately be right and fair? Do we trust God to right every wrong? If so, then we will leave the wrongs done to us in God's hands. To leave, let him sort them all out in his perfect time. But the reason for doing this is not only the justice of God. It's also the love of God. He told them, Paul also told them, verse 15, always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. We are called to be kind to everyone, even when they are unkind to us. We are called to love everyone, even when they are unloving to us. Why is that? Well, of course, that's just how God loves us. And we are called to reflect God's love for us, rather than reflect the lack of love from others. So Paul in Colossians 3 and 13 says, Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The cross of Jesus declares his love for us when we were still his enemies. And if we have received the unconditional, undeserved, unlimited, unending love of Christ, then how could we refuse to express that love to those who have hurt us? And this is how we are called to impact this world with the gospel. Not by fighting for our rights. Not by demanding our entitlements. Not by retaliating evil with evil. But instead by responding to everyone we meet with the supernatural love of Christ. So Paul says at the end of Romans chapter 12, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I think God wants us to be like those two friends in Scotland who valued each other so much that they were willing to sit by the side of the road at that council border just so they could meet together. God wants us to value our brothers and sisters in Christ and other people in our wider community so much that we will do everything that we can to support one another during this pandemic, but also when it finishes as well. So let's respect our leaders, allowing them to lead and to teach us according to God's word. Let's help those who are struggling, whether it's through laziness or fear or weakness 
And let's be kind to those who are unkind to us. Expressing the same grace that God has poured out on us through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray that you'd help us this morning to hear what you've been saying to us. Help us, Lord, to let your love impact our hearts. Help us, Lord, to live out this life that you've called us to, Lord. Help us, whether if we've got responsibilities in leadership, help us to lead as Jesus has led us. If we've got responsibilities in following, Lord, help us to follow as you've called us to. To respect those who, who are teaching us your truth and to follow what they're teaching us. But Lord, help us not to leave leadership and care and support to other people. Help us not to think that it's a leader's job. Help us to think, that, to realise that it's all of our jobs. That it's, it's calling your place on each one of us. So Lord, I pray you'd help us to support one another. Yes, in the middle of this pandemic, in this middle of this difficult time. But Lord, I pray that this would be something that we'd continue to do throughout our lives. Help us to be willing to have those difficult conversations and warn those who are who are missing out on your calling in their lives, who are not living out according to your plan and purpose for their lives. Lord, help us to encourage those who are struggling with faint hearts today, who are feeling afraid or who are feeling discouraged. Lord, help us to come alongside them and, in, and, and build them up and strengthen them and help them to keep on living for you. Pray you'd help us, Lord, to, to be the people who will, who will be there for people who are feeling really weak, who are feeling overwhelmed with temptation or struggles or battles. Lord, help us to be willing to, to, to support them through those, those difficult times without any judgment or any condemnation, Lord. Help us to be like Christ is to us. Help us to be patient with each other, Lord. When we get frustrated, when we get tired, Lord, help us to have the patience that, that you have with us, Lord. Help us to express that, that patience to each other, Lord, because we know that's what the loving thing is to do. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be, to be kind to those who are unkind to us. Help us to refuse to retaliate. Never seek our revenge, Lord. Leave those issues of justice and fairness in your hands to sort out in your time. But instead, Lord, help us to express to others the, the outrageous, the wonderful, the amazing grace that you have expressed to us in your Son, the Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that we would be people who would really support each other and would reach out to our community in an effort to support them too. Lord, fill our hearts with your love again, by your Spirit, Lord, and help us to become more and more like your Son, for his honour, for his glory. Amen.